Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's get our Bibles, shall we? Just imagine uh, being invited to the table and said, well, you haven't eaten for three days. Are you hungry? And then saying, no, 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 I'm not hungry. And then on the fourth day, no, I'm, I'm still not hungry because it doesn't work that way. You may go from breakfast and then by lunch you're saying, oh, it's lunchtime, ready for lunch. And then some people have second breakfast. Just imagine someone saying, I don't have no interest in eating whatsoever, no desire, have no desire for food, and I'm just, uh, I'm just going along. I don't even need any food. That would be, of course, completely unnatural. When someone is unable to eat, I was speaking to someone this week about their appetite, and they were unable to eat. It was an unhealthy situation. In fact, it was was going to destroy them. If they didn't figure out what was wrong and get to the bottom of it, it was going to destroy them. And so here we come tonight again to the word of the Lord. And are you hungry? Are you anxious to receive from the Lord? Well, I'm hungry for the word of God. Hallelujah. And, of course, it would only be natural if you have the bread of life being broken that you would desire it and want to receive it from God. And that's how we feel tonight. Anybody wait excited about the things of God and hungry for God? We're hungry for revival. We're hungry for souls to be saved. But we cannot do that work if we do not eat of the bread of life. We have to learn and know and rejoice in the word of the Lord. I was reading a report about how much television People are watching. And I was like, oh, my goodness. you got to be kidding me. People are watching that much television. And I, it's very rare that I hear people say, I have to drag my children to the television and force them to watch it. And they try to run, and I say, sit down and watch it. I know, I know, I've never heard any parent mention how hard it was for them to get their children to sit down and watch television. Because something about that, that they're drawn to it. Well, there's something about the word of the Lord that draws me to it. Hallelujah. I am hungry for the word of God, and I love, anybody love the word of God? When Sister French and I were dating a few years ago, before we married, just a few years back, and and, and I would... Uh, write her letters because I was an evangelist and and then she would write me letters and so as soon as they came in one of the pastors got into a little game where he would come in and say I smell something fragrant on this envelope and he would wave it around and he waited for me to come and try to get that envelope because there was something about wanting to read the contents 
of that envelope, and I would, <laughs> all right, pastor. Uh, uh, and, and, and there were times I wasn't sure if I was even going to, uh, to get it from him. So let's get into the word of the Lord. Let's turn to Titus chapter 1. We're beginning our series tonight on the study of Titus or the book of Titus. And uh, we won't get deeply into it. We won't spend a lot of time, but we are going to introduce our uh, study of the book of Titus. Everyone say Titus. Of course, we're going to talk about who he was and so on. So it's a study of Paul's letter to the youthful preacher Titus, which makes it very, very interesting because of uh, the fact that Titus was a young preacher and we are looking at the book of Titus. So if you would look with me at Titus 2.11, our key passage, it's just a three chapter letter. It's divided into three chapters. And so let's begin with verse 11 of chapter two. Now we're going to go all the way back. We're going to work our way through and and uh, you can uh, <clears throat> I hope you can. Uh, be excited and stay awake. But regardless, the bread of life is being broken. So let's look at Titus 2, 11 and 12. I'm considering this the key passage to the letter to Titus. And I, I'd like you to read it with me. If you would, you can read it from here. You can read it right from your own Bible there. Let's read it, shall we? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Everybody say praise the Lord. All right, let's read that again. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's the key verse, and we're going to explore more of this in a moment. But lay your Bibles aside, and let's lift our hearts and our hands, and let's invite the Lord to bless his word tonight. Father, I pray that your word will speak to us. I pray the truth will minister to us. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for its awesome uh, passages. I pray that our hearts will receive it by faith, that our souls will be set afire by the word of God. Lord, I thank you for it. Let my ears receive it. Let my heart know it to be true. And Lord, we thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Thank you for standing. And you've been, I, I realize you've been standing. That was quite a lengthy uh, a little uh, thing there. All right, so we're looking here at the book of Titus. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's what we would commonly referred to as the King James Version or the authorized version of the Bible, the most popular version of the Bible in the entire world, in the English-speaking world. So the grace of God, some people think that the grace of God means you can do anything that you want to do. The grace of God means, well, you're my son and I love you, so if you murder someone, we don't even care. It makes no difference, which, of course, would be absolute nonsense. No parent would be uh, thankful that their uh, offspring was just doing anything they wanted to do. But grace does teach us something. And so we're looking at our key passage. It sort of introduces, in a way, the, the letter of Titus or the letter to Titus. We call it Titus. 
And, uh, and, and grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That may be the most important scripture in the entire book. That's why it's a key. But it's also key because it introduces us to the things that Paul is trying to teach this young minister and instruct him about that, uh, that in fact... Uh, Grace, the grace of God teaches us not that we can do anything that we want to do. Now, I'm thankful that I'm saved. And I, how many are glad that you're saved tonight, that, that God has got a hold of your heart? The grace of God is an awesome thing. And, and we, uh, we, are, we, we received grace, and we were unworthy of grace. So nobody's trying to uh, be good enough to earn grace. So I want to be careful here to make sure you understand that we're not suggesting that if you do certain things and you look a certain way or hold your mouth a certain way that God's going to say, okay, now you're good enough. No, 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 that we're not talking about that. But what grace teaches us is that we've got to deny ungodliness. We cannot give ungodliness full reign and say, does it make any difference? Because it does make a difference. And how we live makes a difference. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Amen. So the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So it doesn't teach us that we can sin, but that we can and should live righteously. Our salvation is a powerful work of grace in our lives that gives us power over this the sin of this present world so what what grace does is it brings salvation into our lives through the power of the holy ghost we had how many got the we had several get the holy ghost this weekend i mean it wasn't like hundreds but we had people get the holy ghost and they spoke in other tongues praise god they were born again like when a baby is born when a baby is born we don't say oh well the baby's born let's go home how many of you had a baby and said, well, there's the baby. Let's go home. You're so quiet tonight. I've, I'm trying to get make sure that somebody is listening here. So you have you have a baby. And what does it do? It when it's when it you know it's alive is when it breathes and begins to cry out. In fact, years. Well, we won't go into you know all about it. And so the baby's breathing. And so it begins to cry out. And you know that the baby is alive. Because it is cried out. And that's the analogy that the Bible gives to being born of the Spirit. That the Spirit comes like wind into our lungs and we begin to breathe. We become a new creature. Praise God. We're now alive unto God instead of alive to sin. And so the grace of God is teaching us. What does that teach us? It teaches us that God's power is not only gives us life, but it gives us a victorious life. Praise God. Anybody know somebody that needs to be delivered from sin? There's a power that can deliver them from sin. Praise God. But if you don't deny ungodliness, you live in worldly lust and so on, then you're going to you're not going to be godly in this present world. All right. Now let's go to the next one and let's call this the central truth of Titus. And then we're going to backtrack. We're going to go back. But uh, Titus 2.14, grab your Bibles. Of course, you can see it right up here. But um, this particular uh, artistic uh, painting is, of course, shows Christ on the cross. And we're getting very near Easter here, uh, very, very close. And, uh, and of course, he was the lamb of God. And this artist is, is making that uh, somewhat graphically here by 
having the altar with the lamb and, and the Old Testament where your sins were taken away by a, the offering of the blood of a lamb and Christ's blood is what washes our sins away. So we're looking at Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us. Can we just lift our hands and thank God that he, he offered his life for our lives, that he did it on our behalf. He did it in, uh, on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for, Lord, being our Savior and for washing our sins away. Lord, we know that we are a long way from perfect, but we sure are not what we used to be. Praise God. You turned our life around, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. What's the key word there? From. He gave himself that he might redeem us from iniquity. Everybody say from. All right. What does someone mean if they say I'm from Georgia? What do they mean by that? What do they mean if they say I'm coming from Memphis? What do they mean by that? Well, you say from, what if you say I'm going to Memphis? What do you mean by that? Words have meaning. And so he, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Now, some people get hung up because people continue to do things they don't want to do. Maybe they're battling something or maybe that maybe they just mean, maybe they're mean. Maybe they treat people mean, maybe they're uh, whatever. And so, well, if we're not perfect, we might as well just sin all we want. If people aren't just absolutely perfect and walk around floating on clouds, then there's no such thing as worrying about sin. No, he came to redeem us from all. Everyone say all iniquity. He came to redeem us and not so that we could just get forgiveness. Okay, everybody else is doing it, but I'm going to forgive you and you can go to heaven. You're doing the same thing they're doing. They're going to go to hell. You're going to go to heaven, but just keep on sinning because I redeemed you from. That's not what it means. That would be absolute. Well, you know, that, that sounds like a politician. That sounds like American politics. We're going to redeem you from sin. You keep doing it, and you're okay. You guys, goners. Yeah, but we're doing just what they're doing. Well, but you didn't, you know. <laughs> we better get off of that right now. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and Purify, everybody say purify. <laughs> I'm trying to read a scripture. May purify, we know what that means, right? Purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works that do, that do good, that do good works, that are good, that live good that live holy, that live godly. That's the theme, and that's the central truth of the book. Okay, now I'm going to do a little something. I, I'm, now I'm nervous. I shouldn't even have done it, but I'm going to do it, and you just have to bear with it. I've never done this, but it, I, it seemed like such a good idea at the time, so uh, here we go. We're just going to do it. All right, I'm going to give you uh, the covers of either books or studies of Titus, and I want you to notice how. See, this is here's the game. It's like Monopoly. I want you to notice how diverse the themes are. See, a theme is basically a what? It's a basically a summary. When you say, "Well, uh, how would you summarize that book?" Like we've got a, a Gone with the uh, what's it called? Gone with the Wind Museum over here. Well, how would you summarize Gone with the Wind? 
See, a summary can sometimes mean, well, one or two or three words or something like that. So I want you to notice how diverse these themes are of Titus. And then I want to tell you why that's interesting. All right. The first one you see, and let's uh, since you're some of you, I'm just going to have to do something. What where's. All right. So here's my pointer. Without this, you're, you're, you are just completely uh, lost. But with my pointer, everything's going to work out all right. All right. So here are three of the, of the titles. This, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how many they are because I don't want anybody screaming. I just want you to <laughs> relax. All right. But there are some titles. And as I got to noticing it, I realized that none of them were right. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one that's right. And all of these, and not a single one of them repeated themselves. They're giving you the title of the book, that is the summary or the theme in the title of what their their study of, of Titus, and none of them are the same thing. How can that be that you have all these summaries or titles of Titus, and they, they're not the same? Let's take a look at it. Here's the first one. First, well, let's start down here. All right. How many can read that word? Faithful, all right? A study through the book of Titus. All right, and there's a tree, and that I suppose uh, that's got signal. I understand why they are thinking that way. And their title or their summary of the book of Titus is faithful. All right? That's true. That is certainly uh, an important theme in the book of Titus. But then this one, uh, this one's a little harder to see. Uh, I can't even read that right there, but I'm sure it says something about Titus. And then the, well, there it says Titus right there. Can, can any of you see that? You think we should just flip these lights right here? Because I don't mind if, this, if those lights right there were off. Maybe not right over me, but these, turn, turn these off right here. See, this pointer is absolutely essential. All right, if I weren't doing this, I was like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That's enough. Okay. Now, here we go. So here we go. Can you see it better now? No. (laughs) You know why? Because we've got pink lights so bright that we can barely breathe. Could someone run in there and turn the pink lights off? And uh, uh, they're absolutely gorgeous, but um, they are from up here, they look as pink as they can get. And then we're about to turn them off. This is going to be so powerful when these lights go off. Everyone is going to be completely moved when these lights. And I don't want to tell you where you have to go to turn those lights off. <laughs> but you do have to go somewhere. And then they go off. And now can you see better? <laughs> okay. Um, well, if we turn these off, I won't be able to see myself. Um, but since I'm not going to be looking at myself, let's try these lights right here. Oh, see, I have to point to them so they know. Okay. Does, uh, that's helping quite a bit, isn't it? Now we're getting very powerful. All right, here we go. Now let's see. Oh, I can even see it better. Living with integrity in a hostile culture. That's their summary of the book of Titus. Living with integrity in a hostile culture. Is that true? Is Titus talking? Yes, Titus talks about that. And yet this one says that the summary is faithful. Now, what is the message of 
First Timothy and Titus. How many knows that First and Second Timothy and Titus are always talked about together because they are considered to be the pastoral epistles? Three epistles written to pastors. And both Timothy and... Okay, they're playing with me now. Both Timothy and... <laughs> Both Timothy and that's perfect. They said that was perfect. Whatever you just did was was so powerful that we have to leave it. Um, they were, were young preachers. In fact, Paul converted both of them. All right. And so and so it was the message of Timothy and Titus. Uh, why they don't say second Timothy there. I, I don't know. This was a book. I cut the, the name of the author off because I'm trying. I'm not trying to promote a book. I'm trying to talk about themes of Titus. And this one, he said that the message was guard the truth. Everybody say that. Guard the truth. So you have guard the truth, live with integrity, and faithful. All right, let's go to the next slide. I won't have to, I'll just stay like, I'll turn like this. Now, so here's our next one, the ladybug. Go back, because I want to see if a ladybug is in the other one. Okay, there's no lady. Wait, wait, go back. Go back. Is that a B? Okay, that's a B. All right, let's go back over now. All right, so we have these three. Now let's go back. <laughs> back. Okay, here we go. So the next one is called Loving Doctrine, the book of Titus, and, the th and it's summarized as loving, I mean living, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's so dark, I can't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, living Doctrine. All right? Living Doctrine. Doctrine, of course, that what they mean is I'm helping them out here is to live doctrine in your life. Don't just believe it in your mind, but live out the doctrine. And does Titus deal with living the doctrine and not being a hypocrite? Yes, it does. Is that the main theme? No, it's not the main theme. It is one of the critical themes, but he, he's saying that's the summary of the whole book. Now, this one is getting interesting because this particular study is entitled Titus, Knowing is Not Enough. I, I kind of like that one. Knowing is not enough. And, of course, what he's referring to is knowing doctrine, knowing God, knowing the truth isn't enough. You've got to live it. You've got to do something. Now, is that the main theme? No, that's not the main theme. If you were going to say, what is the summary that would be a part of it? So I, I think we could say that these guys are describing bits and pieces of the of the theme. OK, we got an, what else we got? Oh, we got four on this this one. OK, I'm not telling you how many there are. I don't want anybody screaming. Here we go. So living doctrine, knowing is not enough. And here's the letter to Titus protecting what Jesus established. Doesn't that sound different than what we've just been reading about? That sounds quite different, doesn't it? I just want to walk around, but you look so like you're afraid of me. All right, so protecting what Jesus established. Well, what did he establish? See, so they're getting at something here that something's got to be protected, and it's what Jesus has established, all right? So they're getting at the main thing. They just never say what it is. So very interesting. 
And so let's go to the next one. This one says, now this is when it's really getting different. I mean, here's a book on the study of the book of Titus. And look at the name of the book. What is it? Manifest. Now, everyone knows what manifest means, right? It means to show something. Like, let's say uh, you can't see me, and, well, I'm not going to go. Th- I mean, okay, you, you surely can stay with me. I may be in the shadows up here, but you can. Uh, how many can actually see me still? All right. So here I am, and, and then I manifest myself. I, I demonstrate. I show myself. Here I am. And so, wh- wh- so how does that relate to the main theme of Titus? Well, of course, Titus tells us, or Paul tells Titus, that we are to manifest the teachings of Scripture in our lives. So in a sense, it's another way of saying what the others have been saying, but I think a bit oddly, and maybe to sell a book, I don't know, but very interesting to manifest. Let's go to the next one, and I will say this is the last one. All right, here we go. I followed that ladybug all the way across and finally got this picture right here. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take any of the pictures. All right, here we go. So now this one is called what? Genuine Christianity, a study of Paul's letter to Titus. Oh, I left the author's name, so that's okay. I mean, he, I, I don't care that it's there, but genuine Christianity. Not just Christianity. Not a study about a preacher who's a Christian, but genuine. Everybody say genuine. Does Titus talk about something being genuine or not being genuine? Yes, he does. In fact, it's a very critical component of the study. In fact, he tells us that there may be people who think they're genuine, but they're not. So you've got to have genuine Christianity, and this book is emphasizing that. But is that the main theme? No, it is not the main theme. Now, this one is called, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I could uh, further the faith. So further here means what? Anybody want to venture a guess? To further the faith means to what? Say someone a little bit louder. I can't hear. Grow the faith. Okay. uh, What else? To advance it. Yes. To advance the faith. To cause people to get. To cause its effect to go further or to advance the faith. And therefore to preach the right faith. A genuine faith and all the rest. So that, that is, but what my point is that not a single one of these have duplicated themselves. One book and not a one of them described the theme as the same thing. They're seeing it from a different lens. All right. And then, of course, and here's a summary of them. But this one, is this our last one? All right. And it's just the word what? Anchor. Now, folks, if that's not different from all the rest, then I need to have a checkup. If the word anchor with an actual boat anchor on the front of the book is telling us what Titus is talking about is to anchor, and that's the same as all the others have been talking about, then I'm really confused. Sister French, I've got more confused than we realized while you were gone. If all these others have been talking about an anchor, But that's the perspective of this author, that what Paul is telling Titus is that you must anchor like a ship and you must keep it from uh, not being anchored. All right. Everyone said amen. 
All right, let me catch up here. So what's the theme reflected in each of these? There is a theme. I begin to realize, why are they calling? Why are they calling this book on Titus all these other things? For example, we, let's review. Guard the truth, live with integrity, uh, faithful uh, living doctrine, knowing is not enough, protecting what Jesus established, manifest genuine Christianity, further the faith and anchor. Now let's go to the next slide. Here we go. So what, what is the... Uh, theme that's reflected in each of these, and it is the word truth. Everybody say truth. The theme of Titus is the truth. For example, guard the truth means to protect what God has given us and to hold it dear and keep it in our hearts. Anybody here love the truth tonight? Do you love what God says or would you compromise it if you had to? No, we love the truth. Living with integrity means be faithful to the truth. I'm going to preach the truth. What if the world says it doesn't matter? That's too bad. We're going to preach the truth. We're going to love the word of God regardless of what the world says. Faithful or faithfulness to the truth. Faithfulness to the truth means you're going to preach what Jesus said, what the Bible said. Someone said to me the other day, well, I believe what Jesus said, but I won't believe what the apostles said. I said, well, then you're going to be lost because Jesus never preached to the whole world. He sent his apostles into the whole world and they preached the gospels to the end of the world. You must believe what the apostle said. And when you do, you are, when the apostle Peter got up on the day of Pentecost, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Someone said, it doesn't really matter. It matters because the word of God says it matters. And then knowing is not enough. Knowing truth is not enough. You've got to actually live the truth. There will be people that will know the truth and they will be lost. Protecting what Jesus established means to defend the truth about Jesus. Manifest means to make the truth known. Everybody say, make the truth known. Let's lift our hands and say, Father, help us to be a church that makes the truth known, that allows the Spirit of God to move in people's lives and makes a difference in their their lives. We give you praise for it. And, and on and on. Of course, we could keep going. So all you got to do is insert the word truth and you've got the theme that they were all bouncing around. Even anchor. Anchor in or to the truth. Now you could say, well, I thought it was about Jesus. Well, Jesus is the truth. How many know that Jesus is the truth? Okay, so that's, that's all we need to say about that. All right, let's go to the next one. Now, now let's get our Bibles and go to uh, Titus 1. And I know some of you are really, really nervous. <coughs> But just stay with us here. Let's let's take a few moments and let's go to uh, Titus uh, chapter one, verse one. Paul, a servant of God. And an apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm trying to think if Paul ever said that uh, someone ought to uh, make a note and say, did Paul ever start? You could don't do it while I'm teaching because there, he wrote 14 books of the Bible, but. And, and so if I see you flip it through, I'll know you're checking this out. But anyway, that's OK. Did Paul ever say, I do not think so. I've taught uh, I've taught lots of books of the Bible. I teach Greek, Hebrew. I've taught it in Hebrew. I, and I, I cannot recall a time. I wish I'd have thought to check this, that Paul ever said that he was introduced the letter by saying, Paul, a servant of God. Now, if he did, he did. I just don't recall it. He would usually say other kinds of things, but here for some reason, which we will have to uh, leave for uh, next time because we're trying to hurry. We're not going to be much longer. A servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ 
according to the faith of God's elect that is pertaining to those that God has chosen in his church. How many are thankful that you're part of God's church and God's elect? Praise God. Folks, you need to be thankful and giving God praise. Now, we're getting close to something here that we're going to take a little bit of time with. So he and the acknowledging, which is just another way of saying the knowledge of just another way of saying that. I know in English, if you said, well, I was acknowledging that that is a slight different meaning. But the Greek word is the same. You could translate it acknowledging. I acknowledged it or I knew it. It's the same word. The point is the the acknowledging of the truth to know the truth. Is anybody here thankful that you know the truth tonight, that somebody preached the truth to you? Praise God. Someone said, why is the Pentecostal church the fastest growing church in the world? I want to tell you why. Because of the truth. When you preach the truth, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be. I mean, not everybody can be as tall as. Well, I won't say who. Not everybody is going to have tons of cars and tons of money and lots of education and all kinds of homes. But everybody can have the truth. It's for your children. It's for you and your children. It's for everybody. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what political party you align with. You can know the truth. The acknowledging of the truth, which is after what? Godliness. I wish we'd had a few more join in on that. Could we just try it again? Just pretend I didn't say it. Which is after what? Godliness. Huh. Huh. <laughs> now I can hear all the Greek scholars saying, well, that doesn't mean that, that truth is only about godliness. See? Some people would want to say, well, that just means that he's referring to the truth that pertains. Like, I'm talking about the dress you're wearing right now. Not all dresses. I'm not talking about, I'm just referring to the, and so they're trying to limit it as though the truth is not always about godliness. But I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to say it. Truth is always about godliness. There is no such thing as truth that does not pertain to God. God is truth. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. That's why the world has to reject it, because they have to, they have to project their own truth. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. See, you can do whatever you want. Don't let anybody, oh, funny dad, tell you what to do. That's, that's the world's way. That's Hollywood right now is acting. I've never seen a generation where Hollywood thinks they're acting like preachers. It's, it took me a few, it's just a few years ago, I said to someone, he, they, they sound like a preacher. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, they are preaching. That's preaching. They're preaching their lies. And they're getting people to believe it. Now, what I've noticed is that they're getting more blunt. Uh, like the movie star the other day that said, if, God's, uh, if you speak to God, you're crazy. I mean, just think of it. Hundreds of years of people of all faiths talking to God. And if you talk to God, you're crazy. 
or you're weird. I, I, I don't have the quote. Forgive me, I don't have the quote. Don't want the quote. I should get the quote. Get the, help me find the quote. And at least the name of this person. I don't, don't, don't tell me now because I don't think I could bear hearing it. But, uh, but the point is, um, this famous person said, if you talk to God, you're something, you're weird or something. But if God talks to you, now this part I'm pretty sure I got right. If God talks to you, you're insane or mentally ill. Okay, I'm getting, I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing these words. I don't think this is a quote worthy of absolute. Well, it is. Let's get it. Help me find that, okay? Just go to your office and, and look that up and tell me what she actually, who he or she or whatever actually said. But the truth of the matter is, that's bogus. That's not true. Absolutely, they have discovered that even people that do not know if there is a God will pray. In fact, it is rare to find an individual that doesn't believe in God. True atheists are almost... Uh, I mean, I'm not saying there are no true atheists. I know there are. What I'm telling you is that billions of people on the planet and people are praying all over the planet. And then somebody says, if you pray, you're weird. You're out of your mind or whatever. Let me tell you something, friends. You, you better start praying and you better start talking to God because God is real. And when you talk to him, things happen. Yes. Now, just think, I'd love to hear, I'd love to, whoever she is, I'd like to say, ma'am, not, not only do I talk to God and he talks to me, like when my, uh, he's not here, so I'm going to say it. My son had cancer and I prayed and God helped us. It was a miracle. Even the doctor said it was a miracle. So you think I'm insane because I want my boy to be healed. You think I'm insane because I asked God to intervene in a circumstance. Because we wouldn't have to talk about that because she's already said that would be uh, goofy or whatever she said it was. All right. But then what if I said to her, well, I speak four languages. I teach language. I teach linguistics. But I want to tell you something else. The Bible said you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in other tongues. As the spirit gives the utterance. I have spoken in languages I do not know. I know four. I teach them. And I can speak them. I understand linguistics. But I speak languages that came from heaven. So then I just, I'd love to hear that response. Well, you need to be arrested right now. And taken to whatever. I mean, I don't know what you would say. I guess you would just have something to say about it. Folks, I want to tell you, the world is in a bad shape. Don't put your trust in people that do not know the truth. Put your trust in the God of heaven. Let's lift our hands and thank you. Father, right now, I pray for every soul, every life. God, I thank you because your spirit is here. I feel your spirit and your power. I really do. I feel the Lord in this place. Wow. Not because I'm talking about some, some wacko person. I mean, I, I'm calling her wacko. I, I, what, whatever. Uh, 
I just think it's weird to say if somebody prays to God, that's called faith. I mean, that's just crazy. Your baby's dying. What do you think I got to do? They're just going to just say, well, it's just like a dog. Let's go home. I don't think so. People need more than just a TV show and a pat on the back and a bottle of booze. They need answers, and they're going to find them at the foot of the cross. This nation better wake up, and it had better wake up soon because we're going to be judged by the God of truth. Praise God. And he's, of course, he gave his life so that you you couldn't, and we could know the truth. Now let's look at verse 2. Let's read it together. It's right in the middle there. In hope of what? Eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That is to say, I, I find this a very curious statement, but, but that's why I put the little statement under there that he, he made this promise before the world began in that throughout the Bible we are told that God intended for you to be saved before there ever was a world. In fact, he knew there would be a Calvary, Revelation 13 and 8, that his, he gave his life before the very foundation of the world. He offered himself. He knew that he was going to come. Don't you think for a minute that he let Satan uh, rampage through eternity without knowing that there would be a way to redeem us from sin? Praise God. So it, we have hope. Everybody say hope. Our hope is eternal life. And nobody's going to take that hope. You know, they've taken uh, in communist nations, they've broken their fingers. The famous Chinese Christian pianist, uh, they, they said we'll, we'll, we'll keep him from ever playing again by breaking his fingers. And we will keep him from playing. And you know what he did? He practiced the music in his mind for 20 years in prison and his fingers healed and when he stepped out of prison and they said now do you recant your faith in God and he said no I'm I'm more firmly embedded in my faith than I have ever been and as he stepped out of prison and he walked over to the great grand that he had played so often and he had not played a piano for 20 odd years as he sat down and he put his fingers to the ivory, he had practiced every note every day of the composition of Bach and he began to play with healed broken bones every note of the symphony because you cannot take what's in someone's heart away. You can drain their bank account. You can do all kinds of things, but you cannot take what's in someone's heart. Praise God. Verse 3, but hath in due times manifested his word. Everyone say his word. Everybody say his word. Someone said, I don't like preaching. I don't think it matters if you preach. Then you're going to be lost. You're going to be lost. I'm just telling you, if you want to be saved, you have got to hear the preaching of the word of God. Hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. 
And how many knows that God is our Savior? So when Jesus died on the cross, was he God? Well, he's our Savior, so he is God. And so it is through the commandment of God, our Savior. Now, we don't have three Saviors. We don't have ten Saviors. There is one Savior, and he shed his blood that we could be saved. Let's go to the next one. I realize, I, I, I realize I'm watching the time. Uh, well, I, I just did it. I mean, I just checked the time. We're, we're alive. We're going to make it. Some of you, uh, everybody breathe. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. We're, we're studying Titus. Come on. Here we go. So who was Titus? According to Galatians 2.3, Titus was a Greek. He was not a Jew. Both Titus and Timothy were young converts of Paul who became well-known preachers. And in 2 Corinthians, that would be about 56 AD, Paul refers to Titus nine times and refers to his love for God's work. Everyone say love for God's work. His encouragement and his enthusiasm. Folks, there's a reason this young preacher has his name in the Bible. There's a reason this young preacher's name is in the eternal word of God. The apostle Paul saw such vitality and encouragement. Of course, we'll skip that. We won't go any further. His work at Corinth on Paul's behalf was successful, and it was lauded, much of which was quite delicate. Very, very difficult if you read Corinthians. Paul, as much as says he couldn't have done it without Titus's help. Think of a young man who is an assistant to the greatest preacher in the history of the world. And his name is embedded in the word of God. And the greatest preacher of all time says, I could not have done it. Now listen to me, young men. We had better keep our spirits right and keep our hearts right. We don't have to be number one. We don't have to get the applause. It's God that gets the glory. He called Titus his fellow helper in 823 Corinthians. He, he was with Paul at the all-important Jerusalem council and yet was not compelled to be circumcised. He was a Greek. He also worked in what is called Dalmatia, and he was described as capable, devoted, trusted, and loyal. Now I'm reading that fast because um, I'm trying to hurry, but let's, let's go back now. He was capable, a young man that was capable. He was devoted. Folks, these are qualities that are um, quickly passing. He was trusted. He was loyal. Let's go to the next one, which, of course, is the map. And so he left him in charge of the work in Crete. Let's go to verse 4. We're almost done. We're almost done. Come on, smile. We're almost done. Smile a little bit. Here we go. So here's a map of the Mediterranean. And how many can see Crete? There's the, the Crete's and this isn't the best map in the world, but it's the one I found to use tonight. So there's Crete. Paul was up near, way, way up in the north there. And then Crete's right in the middle of the, where the water is. And, uh, and so we read verse 4, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. He saw this young minister as though he were his own son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our what? Our Savior. So Jesus Christ is our Savior 
God is our Father. He is Christ, and He is our one God. How many knows there's one God, and Jesus is that God, and He is our Savior? Now, let's look at one more thing. I want to go to one more slide. When writing Titus about 66, that would be 10 years after what we just looked at, He called Him His Son in the faith which I'm, I'm not speaking so much from Paul's standpoint. We always talk about Paul. We're talking about Titus. Think of someone whose, whose loyalty, whose ministry was so important that Paul began to see his ministry. In fact, I believe if we will trust God, God will send us young ministry that will change our city, that will help us reach our world. Does anybody believe that young people can be used of God? God can bring them by faith. Let, let's stand. Come on, let's stand. I want us to lift our hands and say, Father, send us ministry that can face this world and preach the gospel in these last days. Lord, and become sons of the faith. We thank you for it. And we praise you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. All right, let's go to the next one. I'm going to have to stop here. But uh, let's just look at it. And uh, okay, so now we come, we just now really get to the book of Titus, and that is where do our leaders come from? How do we lead, and what has God called us to do? Titus was a young man. He was called to do a job. He didn't say, well, that's not, I'm not making enough money. I'm not getting any praise. Look at Paul. He's getting all the glory. No, no, he was a leader. He knew what he was to do, and he was thankful to be allowed to be a child of God and a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest calling in the world is to preach the gospel. I want us to pray for ministers and missionaries all around the world. Could we do that right now? Could you pray for your pastor, your leaders, and, and ministers all through the churches? Let's pray right now. Father, I pray for Georgia. I pray for the United Pentecostal Church. I pray that the ministry will rise up and that they will be faithful to preach the word and not let anybody direct them down a path, Lord, that leads them away from truth. But, Lord, like Elijah, let us know, God, that you have others that are preaching and and love this gospel, young men that will stand for God and preach the gospel in these last days. And everyone said, praise the Lord. Praise God. So we're going to investigate these three chapters over the next uh, little bit, uh, right after Easter, that is. But let's lift our hands and let's be dismissed. Father, I pray that you'll dismiss us tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know you're talking to our hearts. Thank you for blessing us tonight. And thank you for your word. Thank you for the bread of life. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Turn your neighbor, shake hands one with another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Greet our guests. Shake hands with each other. Appreciate you.